Welcome, welcome, welcome to Zippity Doo Disney, the podcast where I give you my favorite tips and recommendations to help you make the most of your Disney World vacation. So sit tight. Thanks for listening, and let's go on that ride. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 23 of Zippity Doo Disney. I'm your host, Eric Frenchman. And this episode is the first of my series on how to travel to Disney World with little kids. That's right, I'm finally diving into my long-awaited episodes for my tips and trips for going to Disney World with your kids. And when I say kids, I'm referring to kids aged 3 to 15. You want to stretch it? Okay, freshman, sophomore, you're in high school. This first episode is going to look at planning your trip when to go, what to expect when traveling, and then where to stay. So sit back, enjoy the show, thanks for listening, and let's go on that ride. Now this episode might first seem like it's the least fun of planning a trip to Disney World, but really, it's the most important. Picking the right time of year to go is ridiculously critical to how enjoyable your trip is. And before you go, dude! This is obvious. Nope, it's not that obvious, and lots of people debate when to go. First, when choosing a time to go, you're obviously looking first at the weather. And while Florida is the Sunshine State, too much of it can be brutal. June through September, it's boiling hot. Sure, your kids aren't in school for a few of those months, but it isn't worth it. And with mask wearing through the end of 2021, you are looking at one hot, sweaty vacation. I remember one time when my kids were young, we got an offer from Disney World for a free dining plan if we went in July or August. And that was the older dining plan where you got an entree, app, and dessert plus two snacks a day. So, of course, we thought, hey, let's do it. I'm sure the vacation was like six days or so. So that's like 12 snacks over that entire week. It was so hot when we went that I drank all my snacks in the first day. That's right. All my snacks were gone in one day. And it was water. wasn't ice cream. wasn't cookies or desserts and fun stuff. It was water. And pushing a stroller and in the short term wearing masks, bam, that's one hot vacation. August is super hot. June and September are not quite as bad, but it's still really hot. Lisa and I went... In the third week of September 2019, you know, those pre-COVID years. And it was hot. Like, walk out of your resort and you're a pile of sweat. And your feet are already swollen. And you haven't even gotten to the bus stop yet. It's so hot, you'd sit through an older yet cute ride like Figment. Just because, you know, the AC works great in there. And if you do go in the hot months, you'll need to plan plenty of pool time. Maybe a water park or two. One good thing about September, June, and maybe late August is that the crowds are lower because schools are in session. So for months, that pretty much takes care of June, July, August, September. What about the other months? Well, let's start at the top, which is January. January is actually a good time to go with the possible exception that once in a while you have some uneven weather patterns, but the parks are generally less crowded. You do have to pay attention to Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday because that will cause a busy weekend, but that's about it. February is also a good time to go, and we used to go then quite a few times. However, you have to worry about George Washington's birthday, a.k.a. President's Day, 
because that's a very busy week. It's not as bad as Christmas week, but it's still pretty, pretty bad. Friday through Tuesday are very busy days during uh, President's Week. Also, similar to January, the weather is a little uneven. Not quite as warm as you'd want, and maybe some rain. And that's pretty much the reason we stopped going in February, was that the weather was just too chaotic for us. March, April, and May are great times to go, with some exceptions. March through June are when J Disney runs that awesome uh, International Garden of Flower Festival, where Disney transforms Ep Epcot into this breathtaking, huge outdoor garden event with vendors, music, demonstrations, food kiosks. It's really a great time to go. March is also a great month, but it could be, March is a great month, but it could be a little cooler than you'd like, and you need to keep an eye on early Easter because that corresponds to spring breaks, which is the problem in April. April's still a good time to go, though, but it could be more crowded than you like because of spring breaks. Now we're cruising into May, and during the non-COVID years, that's where the cheerleading competitions occur, which, believe it or not, did cause some crowds, but because it's May, it doesn't have any big holidays. Yeah, it's Memorial Day, eh, but it's still a great time to go. Oh, yeah, there's also Mother's Day. Anyway, May is still a pretty good time to go. September, yes, back there, but hold on, stay with me. October, November feature another great Epcot event, which is the International Food and Wine Festival. Plenty of different food kiosks, events, music shows. Basically, it's like the Garden Festival, except without all the flowers and plants, and they're just replaced with more delicious foods and wines. October and November are great times to go because schools are in session, and the weather's usually great. We used to go early in November during what is called Jersey Week because the New Jersey public schools are closed during teachers' convention. But... As the kids got all older, high school sports kind of killed that vacation. But if you go in November or October, do it. Also, in these months when COVID isn't around, there's Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party to Magic Kingdom, which is a special ticket event where you basically get a giant Halloween party with special characters, parade, fireworks, and of course you get a bunch of rides and there's usually not long of a wait to get on them. Finally, we get to December which is really the Jekyll and Hyde of Disney vacation months. Right up until Christmas week, it's empty and a great time to go. Disney's decorated for the holidays, has special foods and gifts. Plus, once again, during the non-COVID, you'll get candlelight processional at Epcot and also special holiday parades. If you're like us and you go between Christmas and New Year's, well, that's the most crowded time of year to go. If you want to jump in and get a look at what it's like to go in non-COVID years between Christmas and New Year's, I have a special three-part podcast. I'll put some posts to the links of the podcast on my website after you listen to this episode. But if you want to jump back in time, you got to go back, way back, to episodes one, two, and three. They are titled, Surviving the Most Crowded Days in Disney World, and that's what you're in for. It's definitely not for newbie Disney vacation goers. Goers, It requires stamina, persistence, and advanced planning. But those episodes that I wrote and uh, recorded all those years ago are really, really super helpful. One other thing about Disney that I forgot to mention, there is another special ticket event at the Magic Kingdom, Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party. Similar to the Halloween party, you get the, you, it's a special ticketed event. 
It's at the Magic Kingdom. You get special food, special fireworks, special parades. It's really a good time. If I had to pick between the two, I always go with the Halloween party. I just think it's got more it got more special characters, the trick-or-treating. I don't know. It's just a little better event. But the the Mickey Very Merry Christmas Party is awesome, too. My last point on deciding what time of year to go has to do with schools, especially if you have kids. And if you're asking me, since it's your listening, you are, I'm telling you, take them out of school. Do it, especially before they get to high school and even then some. By the time high school gets around, you have serious sports, you can have serious homework, grades, tests, you know, maybe you can bolt on a day or two outside of sports, but that's about it. If you want me to tell you when the best months are, I'd say October, November, March, April. You get good weather, less crowd, Epcot events, and great weather, not just good weather. You just have to take your kids out of school. And if you're going to do that, do it before they get to high school. Okay, so you kind of figured out when you're going to Disney World. Now let's talk about what it's like to travel with little ones. I'm also going to assume that you are not traveling to Disney on a shoestring budget with these tips. If you are, that's great. But decide which one of the following tips you want to use. First, let's talk about traveling to the airport. Personally, I found it was easiest taking a car service or having someone drop you off at the airport. As your kids got a little older and they could roll their bags or carry their bags through the airport, it's still, I thought, easiest to have somebody drop you off. Why? Well, because you don't have to have that game where you're parking, then you got to get the kids out, you got to get their stuff, you got to drag them. It's this giant game you're playing. Of course, most of my experience is going through Newark Airport, pretty big airport, but if you have a, have a smaller one, maybe the parking kids dragging bags through the airport game isn't hard to play, so go for it. So tip number one, either take a car, car service or have someone drop you off at the airport rather than park and drag your bags and kids through the parking lot. Tip number two, buy some cheap umbrella strollers for your kids. Yes, you probably have some awesome huge carriage stroller. And you want to use that? That's fine. Personally, the cheap umbrella strollers are so much easier to fold up and maneuver with that I personally like dropping 30 bucks or so for the umbrella stroller. You'll get what I mean in a second. But, when you have to fold up the stroller, the awesome stroller on buses, boats, or having a take-up space in your room, you'll understand why I think the umbrella strollers are good investment, even if you're just dropping 30 bucks a pop. Tip number three is that at Disney, you can rent carriages. I think they're a good idea, but I only think they're a good idea when your kids are in that in-between age. Too young to walk all day but long enough to walk a little bit. little confusing? Let me explain. First, here's how the stroller system works at Disney World. The renting system works. We just talked about the umbrella stroller, but let's talk about renting from Disney World. It costs about $13 a day for a single stroller or $27 for a double. They are sturdy, strong, great for storing stuff. Basically what happens is you pick them up in front of any park, drop it off on your way out. Every park you visit, you just got to show your receipt and you get your little family play card and you put it on the back and boom, you got another stroller at a different park and, and or at a different day. It even works with park hopping. So pick up, drop off, 
and works with park hopping for like a hundred bucks a week. Sounds great. Yep. There's only one hiccup in the process. How are you going to get your kids to and from the park? Okay. Unless you could fold up a little stroller, pay for a locker. It's costing you more money. Or if your kids are not old or old enough to walk, you're probably carrying them. And that's not as much fun as it think you think it is, Arnold. First, it's a long way to go to your hotel room after you drop off the Disney stroller. Think about it. You're at the front of the park. You drop off your stroller. Now you got to go through security. You got to get to the, the Disney transportation. Let's make believe you're taking a bus. You get, you're waiting. You're waiting. You're waiting for the bus. You get on the bus. You get your seat. So you get a little break because now your kids are sitting on your lap. Not so bad. But now you get to your hotel and they drop you off at the little bus depot at your hotel. And now you got to go from the bus depot to your room. And it's a long way. It's a long way to your room. Carrying a five-year-old kid that far? Put a major strain on your back, your shoulder blades, your biceps, whatever, Arnold. That's why I recommend renting the stroller when your kids are old enough to walk part of the distance, but still young enough to want to be in the stroller. And the final tip about traveling to Disney and with strollers, and this one should be obvious, but believe it or not, some people forget, don't leave anything valuable in your strollers when you go on a ride. I know, obvious. You'd be surprised how many people complain. Generally, Disney is super safe, and I've never had anything stolen. But you know that old saying? Keep an honest person honest. So take your stuff. Additionally, cast members can rearrange where your stroller gets parked, and sometimes people make a mistake and grab the wrong one. Take your stuff with you. If you bought stuff, ship it home if they're big enough. If, if they start having the service again where you can send it back to your hotel, do that. Take them on rides with you, Ken. But do not, and I repeat, do not leave anything valuable in your stroller. So we talked about when to go to Disney World and how to travel with kids. The final part of this podcast is where to stay. I've stayed at a lot of Disney hotels, and there's tons of reasons why people pick one hotel over another. For me, it comes down to three things, but the most important one of them is proximity to parks, to the parks. The other ones are food and room quality. Of course, cost. Why is proximity to parks, parks so important? Well, how you go to and from the parks and how long you spend traveling to the parks is one of the keys to your enjoyment on your Disney vacation. Do you have little kids? Well, then you're probably spending most of your time at the Magic Kingdom, and therefore you want a hotel in the Magic Kingdom area. Slightly older kids, you're looking at Hollywood Studios and probably Epcot. Your kids love animals? Then you're staying over at the Animal Kingdom Lodge. So, confused? Well, let's take a look at the hotels that I've stayed at and my recommendations. In the Magic Kingdom area, you have four hotels, Contemporary, Polynesian, Grand, Floridi Grand Floridian, and the Wilderness Lodge. Plus, you do have the Wilderness Campgrounds. I visited all of them and stayed at every uh, stayed at three of them. First, you need to know that the Contemporary, the Polynesian, and the Grand Floridian are all on the monorail system. So that makes it ridiculously convenient. You get super fast access to the Magic Kingdom, and when you want to go, when the Epcot monorail is running again, because right now, due to COVID and other challenges, it's not running. 
And so the the monorail, how you would go to Epcot using the monorail system is you take the monorail to the ticketing transportation center, get off the monorail, walk all the way underneath and around, and pop up and get on the Epcot monorail. So it's really convenient. Sounds like a pain, but it's not. It's really smooth. The Wilderness Lodge, the campgrounds, and the Contemporary are all on Bay Lake. And that means boat transportation system. And that boat transportation system runs between the three of them and the Magic Kingdom plus the campgrounds. Note, you do need to follow the flags and the signs to know which boat is actually going where. Some of them go to the Magic Kingdom, some of them don't. So you got to pay attention to which one. What? Up oh, there's Leo coming back into the office. So you need to know which way your boat is going. You can always just ask a cast member too if you get confused. The Grand Floridian out of all of them is the most expensive. And to me, seems a little too high end for, for our family and of course family with kids. It's kind of the hotel you feel bad about being loud in. The restaurants are great, however. The pool looks awesome. But then again, it's really expensive. The Polynesian has that South South Pacific theme. So if you've never been to Hawaii, now's your chance to kind of get a feel for it in Disney World style. The restaurants are great, and it features two awesome spots to eat. The first is the all-you-can-eat Hawaiian barbecue Ohana. And believe me, if you want to get it once that reopens, it's been closed because of COVID, but once it reopens, that's one of the reservations you want to get right away. It's awesome. They, they barbecue right in front of you in an open-air kitchen, and they just start bringing food to your plate, to your table. It's awesome. The other hidden gym, gym, the other hidden gem inside of the Polynesian is the great bar Trader Sam's Grog Grotto. So... Out of all the hotels that are around, the Polynesian is the one that I wish I could stay at pretty much because of Sam's Grog Grotto and the, and the Ohana. The Contemporary Hotel I know extremely well since my Disney Vacation Club home is at their new part called Bay Lake Tower. So the Contemporary has an awesome pool, an all-time great restaurant named the California Grill, and a very underrated restaurant called The Wave. And a nice quick service spot called the Contemporary Cafe. In addition, it has another all-time favorite character meal called Chef Mickey. The hotel itself has great views of either Bay Lake or the Magic Kingdom. And get this, it's an awesome short 10-minute walk to the Magic Kingdom. There are only two downsides. It's kind of expensive. And some, some people don't like the theme as it reminds them of New York City apartment. Eh, get over it when you only, it only takes you 10 minutes to walk to the Magic Kingdom. The Wilderness Campgrounds gets a recommendation. If you actually want to drive a trailer down, it does have a Western theme. It's a little bit spread out, so you do need to sometimes take an internal bus transportation system around. But it does have an all-time favorite dinner show, all-time favorite of ours, a dinner show called the hoop de doo Review. Personally, to me, it seems a little remote, as it's only on the boat loop, and then you need to take a bus everywhere else. Out of all these hotels, believe it or not, my recommendation is the Wilderness Lodge. It's a little bit less expensive than the Contemporary, the Polynesian, and the Grand Floridian, but it's not on the monorail system. So you either have to take the boat or a bus, 
Yeah, but if you're spending a lot of days at the Magic Kingdom, it's not a big deal. The boat is super convenient. Plus, you can get easily get to the other Magic Kingdom hotels either via the boat or a boat to the Contemporary, then a monorail to the other hotels. It features a northwestern Pacific theme. The lobby's beautifully designed. The pool is awesome. I mean, it's no Contemporary pool, but it's it's really themed nicely. So for the price and the proximity to the Magic Kingdom, I recommend the Wilderness Lodge. One of my next favorite hotels, and it's only convenient to one park, so trust me, stick with me on this one. It's an awesome hotel. It's the Animal Kingdom Lodge. Yeah, you're taking the bus everywhere, but for me, it's worth it. Have everyone to look out your hotel window and see giraffes? Well, you can. There's also this nice little walking area where you can spot other animals, as well as a giant viewing area from inside the hotel. The pool is great. And it does have two favorite restaurants of mine, Boma, which is this delicious, ridiculously awesome themed, African-themed buffet dining, which is incidentally one of the only buffets I, buffets I ever recommend. Also, a tip that I used to use is to bundle a day at the Animal Kingdom and then go dinner at one, at the Animal Kingdom Hotel. So besides Boma, I mean, besides Boma, there's another great restaurant called Jico, which is one of their signature dining. So it's upscale themed African dining. Finally, there's a third dining option, which we were going to try in our spring 2020 trip, but that got canceled due to COVID, which is sauna. So there's only, and I repeat, only one downside to the Animal Kingdom Lodge is that you're always reliant on the Disney bus transportation system. You can't even walk to the Animal Kingdom. There's no boat. There's no Skyliner, nor is there a monorail. The only other downside, and it's a minor one, is that you are only close to the Animal Kingdom. The next closest park is Disney Springs. So that's why the Animal Kingdom Lodge is number two on my recommended hotel stay places to stay and not number one. Okay, you still with me? The final group of hotels are the Epcot Hollywood Studios hotels. Yes, if you have younger kids, staying at an Epcot hotel probably isn't super convenient, but you are going to go to Epcot. You are going to go to Hollywood Studios. But the other good news is the following hotels are on a ferry system between Epcot and Hollywood Studios. There is also the Skyliner, which connects Epcot and Hollywood Studios and Hollywood Studios to additional hotels like the Riviera Caribbean Beach, and more. For more information on the Skyliner, listen to episode 14 of zippity doo Disney. Anyway, the hotels in this group are the Yacht and Beach Club, Boardwalk, and then Swan and Dolphin. Can't recommend Swan and Dolphin hotels because I've never stayed there and really never visited them. Boardwalk, I loved, as well as Yacht and Beach Club. Both spots have some of my favorite restaurants, the Flying Fish at Boardwalk and the Yachtsman Steakhouse, you guessed it, at the Yacht Club. The best thing, however, about the Yacht and Beach Club is their awesome sand bottom pool with a great water slide. It's a great option, but for me, the best option of these hotels is the Boardwalk. It just screams great spot for families. It has a fun pool with the water slide, plus plenty of restaurants, shopping, and shows on the Boardwalk that kids of all ages can have fun doing. The only downside to it is if you want food, you actually have to go outside to the food options of the boardwalk. But as long as it's sunny Florida, that's not an issue at all. Okay, so let's wrap up the hotel recommendations. 
My number one place to stay with kids, with young kids, is the Wilderness Lodge, followed by the Animal Kingdom Lodge, and in third place, it's the Boardwalk. I bet you that surprised a lot of people. And that's a wrap for episode 23 and the first part of my long-awaited series of taking young kids to Disney World. The next part of the series will look will be dining with kids at Disney World, and also keep an eye out and an ear, really an ear out, for my quick, hit, quick hits podcast as I see things that will imp- impact your future Disney World trip. So that's it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for going on this ride. <laughs>